Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast, and today we have a repeat offender. Jeff Langmaid is the smart chiropractor and uh, also the author of The Payday Practice. Uh, Jeff has been on here before, so welcome back, Jeff. Huge honor to have you. It is. It's absolutely my pleasure to come back on. I was super excited when you reached out. We had an awesome conversation the first time. I think you got some good feedback, so I'm down to dive even deeper this time, so thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, as you and I were talking, there were a few key points that you mentioned last time. And if listeners haven't heard that, I'd love to go back and revisit that um, because I think you made some very valuable points there. The first one, the topic that we talked about was uh, no discounts, no vouchers. I just, this just in, I saw uh, the Alberta, I think it's the Alberta College of Physiotherapy. uh, And I talked with both chiropractors up there and also physiotherapists, but they just put out in February um, they now prohibit any sort of advertisement around a discounted service, uh, voucher offer, um, or a- anything along those lines. We're against it. I know you're against it as well. Any updates there, anything, any new developments that you've seen um, to, to justify that, that position? Uh, I think the biggest thing, it's interesting news, thanks to the breaking news, by the way, I think that's that's super important for everybody to be aware of their local, regional, federal law, because you don't want to go askew of that or else you're going to end up in real hot water. And quite frankly, advertising and discount advertising is one of the primary offenders if you look at a state board level. So it is something that I think everybody should be in tune with. But from a philosophical perspective re- regarding marketing, to me, it's it's really about the value of the services that you provide. So it's easy to discount services, but I don't think it's the best option in most cases, most of the time. And I'll explain that in a little bit more detail. One is I think we've all seen advertisements where it's like $19 and I'll like wash your car, you'll get x-rays, you can have 75 different, it's like, you know, that is just an easy thing to do. But most of the time, I don't feel like the providers that run those ads really have great handles on actually how much that ad is costing them. And anybody who lived through the Groupon days of like, wow, my massage therapist has like 75 people that they're going to see. And then I hope to quote unquote, convert them into care. And so many people ended up wildly upside down on that. So knowing the metrics is one critical aspect of it that I just think is important for every business owner and many healthcare providers aren't that great at knowing their metrics to a supreme detail. So, you know, I wouldn't do that unless you really know your metrics. The second component that I think is important to keep in mind is most providers do that as a lever to get a new lead or a new person in the door, which makes sense. But there are other levers you can use. There is scarcity, there is urgency, there is status, there is positioning. I know that's a lot to go through right there, but there's a lot of different levers you can do psychologically to get people motivated to receive your care that don't require you to discount your services. And while for a paid ad agency, the easiest thing for them might be to run a discount ad to get leads in the door and show the wild success that they've gotten with your practice, many times, in my opinion, it's not the best thing for the provider. 
And that is really the crux. If you don't know your numbers very good, if it's what's maybe in the best interest of the ad company and not you, and if you haven't exhausted every other lever first, why would the first thing you reach for be the discount of services? I think you should lean into all of the other psychological motivators first, because chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're somebody that loves taking care of people, loves learning about how to build your business, and wants to build a successful business, not because you're the cheapest in town, but because you've done the right things and taken the right actions to be the best you can be. So that's my, that's the shortest explanation I can give Chad. <laughs> oh, that, that, that was perfect. And I completely agree with you. I do remember the, the Groupon days. And I remember I even talked with a rep and I said, just give me three references. And all three were said, this was a horrible experience. <laughs> 120 people signed up. I'm giving, I remember the one lady had a kitchen and I think she had 120 people sign up for this deal. And I was looking at the deal. I was like, well, yeah, you're giving away like $40 in food for two bucks. And how did that work out? And she said, well, I got one client out of it. I was like, this, this feels horrible to me. But yeah, uh, yeah very, uh, very nice touch. Also tying in the legal, knowing that, and then also thinking about the long-term reputation of your business and services. Next topic, Jeff, uh, ignoring past patient list. I know a lot of owners do that. From the last episode when you and I were talking, what you had mentioned was that many of us as private practice owners, we would first, when we need marketing, when we need new patients in the door, we'll run out and try to convert the hardest people in our area to convert first before we even look at reactivations. Um, any more developments there? It looks at least everything that I can see. You're helping a lot of owners reactivate past patients with uh, email campaigns. I can see that from the site and some other actions as well. If you could talk about that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll double down on that more than in the past because I think last time we chatted, I had a good inkling that that's really where we were driving a lot of return for the docs that we work with and docs that aren't working with us but use other services would get a great... But about the middle of last year, I looked into our data. So I can really give some super specific data points to what we have seen. And that's averaged out, but I'll set the stage for that in a moment. But before I get into the data, I just want to talk about the foundational aspects of this. I am a firm, firm believer uh, that the email list that you have is the most valuable asset you have in your practice. It is more valuable than the building. It is the most valuable asset you have in the practice. And for too many healthcare providers, I have this graphic that I use when I'm speaking on stage and it's somebody like standing on top of a gold mine with binoculars, looking out at a shiny object. And, and it's like, that, that is the case often. It's like, what's that new thing? Is there a group on ad? Should I run TikTok ads? Maybe you should run paid advertising, by the way, but don't ignore what you're standing on top of, which is the most valuable asset you have in your practice. And if anybody's like, well, how is that the most valuable asset? I'll explain exactly how, how and why. Uh, you might be thinking, well, it's the building that I own. A building that you own, that you practice out of is a very good investment. However, it's basically going to be that you sell it at a certain point in time and get a unilateral transaction. You sell it for more than you bought it for after 20 or 30 years, and you've built an asset that's awesome. Your email list is something that can generate revenue for your practice and benefit for the people on the list every single day, week, month, and year you're in practice. And then you can sell it at the end because it it increases the value of your practice because you have an active communication system with people. So if you add on new services, if you add on uh, monthly recurring services and membership services, if you add on new products, new niches, 
all of these things, if you are on consistent communication with your email list, you have an automatic database and pool of people who know, like, and trust you who are ready to say yes immediately. And that inherently dramatically increases the value of your business and your practice compared to somebody that hasn't communicated with anybody in whatever and is 100% reliant on paid ads. I view it like a cake. I always say, you know, your email marketing, your text marketing, the your maybe your social media uh, growth, unpaid, but the organic component, that's the cake. Like your paid advertising is the icing on the cake. Don't get them confused. So building a foundation based upon what better audience of people should you be communicating with than the people who have already paid you money? Who's the easiest person to generate a business dollar from tomorrow? The person who paid you today. So these people have already paid you money from a business sense and from a clinical sense, they've already experienced your world-class patient experience. They've gone through the process. They know who you are. You have trust, you have rapport. They probably just don't know when to raise their hand. And we've all had, I'll break it down to a super specific example, and then we can get into the data on it. But we've all had these types of patients, um, whether you're a chiropractor or a physical therapist or other. Uh, I'll use an, a, an easy low back pain and neck pain example. A patient comes in with a low back issue. You take great care of them. They're super happy. You don't see them for two years. They come back in two years later with a low back. I knew I had to come back. You took such great care of me the first time. You're chatting with them. And they, they tell you, you know, last year I had a neck issue, but I know you're the low back doctor. So I went down the street and, you know, it's like, we've all had these things happen. We're like, oh my gosh. And it just makes sense because if you think all of your patient education is going to happen within the four walls of your practice, it's just not the case. You, you think you're doing the right thing and you probably are doing the best you can, but you have to think about it from a patient point of view. That's not their turf. Like they, they showed up three times a week for 15 minutes or an hour. You're a healthcare provider. There's like a weird dichotomy. Like they don't remember anything. They know nothing about anatomy. Like you might've even told them you take care of cervical spine and neck issues, but chances are they're not gonna remember. Why wouldn't you have another touch point via email in order to remind them of that in a beneficial way for them that keeps you top of mind? So this is, I'm kind of threading together a whole bunch of different things here. But those are some of the foundational concepts that I think are really imperative to understand. We can talk the data in just one moment, but to understand like, well, why is the output and the data this way? Because of those things. And it's super basic when we break it down like that. These are people who already like you, they already paid you, and they're probably ready to hear from you. And you're not doing, most healthcare providers aren't communicating at all. And those that are, aren't communicating, chances are enough. And then even, even thinner than that, those that communicate enough often have a, this is about, they're, they're talking too much, the copywriting's not great. They're talking too much about themselves instead of really highlighting the benefits that they're providing for the listener, the reader, the patient. And when, but here's the beauty. When all of those things go the other way, when you have great volume, when you teach and invite consistently, as we say, and when you have a patient-centric men mentality with consistent communication, really great things happen. Shocker. All <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't sound that complicated when, you, when we say it like that. But uh, it, I'll, I'll pause there for a second, Chad. I'm happy to go into all the data. But uh, is there anything there I should elaborate on before I get into data? Yeah. Just going to back you up um, completely here. So, early in my 
private practice career and now working with other owners as well, the thing that jumped out is exactly what you said. Most owners don't do this. The second that I hear that, it's like, wow, I can easily differentiate myself in the marketplace. And then early on when I did not have a list, let's say two years into private practice and yeah, we collected some emails, but I didn't really do anything with it. We, I, I think at one point we had 600 emails and I was it, yeah, literally doing nothing, the least valuable asset in my practice, <laughs> yeah. right? And then uh, same thing with the mailing list, wasn't really doing anything with it. And then we looked at, um, and I, I, I had that situation happen where somebody came to see me, total knee, it's two years later, now they're coming back in for something with their knee again, and it was a back issue or something like that. I was like, wow, like, why did you go there? And then I was like, that's really my responsibility. Like that, like I should be the second person that they see. And then because I, I create value, trust, deliver value long-term, I do have reactivation that that per and I'm, con I'm in constant contact with that person that they're going to come see me again, rather than go back to the initial therapist. And that was a game changer for us once I understood the mechanics of it. So love that. Uh, I'll stop there. I did talk about my responsibility. The other one is uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, Russell Conwell's Acres of Diamonds. I know not too many people you talk with are reading 1800s literature, but uh, it, it, the story is that there's this farmer in, uh, I believe it's in South Africa, who his farm is has the largest diamond mine in the history of the world. And he sells the farm and buys uh, diamond mining gear <laughs> and basically spends the rest of his life looking for the diamond mine that he literally had while he was on the farm. So uh, yeah, love that story. Completely agree with what you said, Jeff, about most valuable asset. Now you have some data for us. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a, that's actually a great story and a great. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if it's a metaphor or an analogy for the for the situation, but it's a but it's but it's a good one either direction. And the the biggest thing with communication is it has to be consistent and specifically via email. So I always view like text as more transactional. That's your missed appointment reminders, your et cetera. That's transactional by nature. Maybe there's a bill due, an appointment reminder. Um, and then the email is more relational, but let's talk some data. So we, we work automated email marketing campaigns for over 300 practices. We send like a million and a half emails a month, something like that. We've done it for a while. So that gives us really good data and insights. And quite frankly, full transparency, we, we had the data like a year ago, I think when we first chatted, but we didn't really, no pun intended, mine the data very well. So we didn't really have a great idea, but the middle of last year, we really uh, hit a stop point and said, let's pause Let's really review exactly what's going on so that we can answer these exact type of questions with unbelievable specificity because we're doing such volume. We have really good data. So docs can really understand where they sit in terms of their own production. So I'll throw out a few key facts and stats here that are just good stop, stop points. Um, one, uh, let's start with open rate. Uh, our average doc is about 30.1% open rate with some docs 50 plus percent. So there's many out there that might say, well, is email dead? Nobody's opening emails. Um, it not 90% like it was maybe in 1988 or something like that, but it's still super, super strong when, when you have good subject lines and we can get into the minutia of 
what drives open rates of subject lines, et cetera. But 30% is, is really is, is really solid. 50% is like out of this world. That's absolutely wonderful. I generally say to docs, like if you're doing it on your own, you really want to be above 20%. If you're hovering below 20%, eh, you probably got some segmentation or some subject line issues. Next data point would be our average doc has an email list of 1,200. 1100 to 1200. So we have some docs and practices that are over 20,000. We have some that are three and 400. But our average, if we take all that, we average it out to about 1200 people per list. The reason I say that is because we know that for a list of, let's say, 1200, I'll round it at 1200, we see an average of 26 click to call or click to schedule reactivations per month. So let's put that in a slightly different term. For every 100 email subscribers you have, you should be able to generate over two reactivations per month. That's really the benchmark and where we draw our data, like when we have an ROI guarantee and all these things, we base it off of those stats because we know that it's highly uh, reproducible over time. So that, that is what we have seen time and time again as things average out. The other thing we did with that data, not to get too geeky on this, I don't think there's too many mathematicians listening, but we took out the top and bottom 5% and you know mitigated and averaged it out. So we took out the outliers so that it was a really, really nice set of data to really be able to have, I like to say, predictive analytics. Hey, when somebody starts doing these things, and utilizing, for example, our system. But if you wanted to benchmark the system that you're that you're doing, or the system, or if you're doing some of this yourself, that's really where where we like you know to live. And there are some things you can do, you know, levers as we talked about earlier to push and pull those things a little bit. But on average, that's what that you know that's what we have seen. That's great. Love that. Uh, two reactivations on it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so another topic that we talked about last time, uh, recurring revenue or lifetime customer value, we were just talking about that once somebody comes in delivering value, staying in contact with them via text, email, direct mail, potentially long-term so that they're reactivated. There's another way to think about that, which is lifetime customer value. So I come in, I'm purchasing surface services from you from my back, and now I'm, you know, we have a conversation. I think last time it was you you share your list of uh, supplements that you're taking with me. And now basically I'm buying from you long-term as well. So it increases my lifetime customer value. In today's market, the biggest thing that we see in terms of a challenge is declining reimbursements. So owners are scrambling for how can I make up lost revenue? To me, it's just, we have the list. We have customers that are already buying from us. How can we figure out how to uh, re really serve them in a better way, in a more complete way? What have your What do you see in there, Jeff? This is a big. This is a really, really big deal because if if you're reliant upon ninety nine point nine percent of your revenue to be quote unquote bent over the table delivering the service, you inherently have a vulnerability. So this is just like business 101. Like that doesn't mean you can't love it. That doesn't mean you should abandon that by any stretch of the imagination. What it does mean to do is you need, need to be aware of that so that you can theoretically, from a business point of view, mitigate the risk. So yeah, to be super clear on that, 
you know, if you're if it's you over the table taking care of the patient, that's 99% of the revenue. You can't do that anymore. That's a problem, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's a high risk situation. Um, that's an extreme situation. But the less extreme and in, in the death by a thousand cuts is what you're describing, which is very, very uh, important to, to you know diminishing. You're just getting squeezed. You know, the value of a dollar isn't as much today as it was in 1990. Not only that, but you're, you know, all your expenses are 40% more compared to the last 20 years. And your reimbursement dollar for dollar is actually 30% less. Like that's a squeeze that happens real slow over a real long period of time. And it's not a situation that anybody wants to, wants to be in. So that's just from a, a business point of view. So I, full transparency, am a massive fan of MRR, monthly recurring revenue. I'm a massive fan of that. It's really about the only business models I'm interested in at this point in time, because otherwise you got to start every month at zero again. And that's just a really tough way to live. That's really stressful. It's really tough. And I'm going to make a very, very strong argument that regardless of the type of healthcare provider and your approach to care, you listening today, that you have an opportunity to generate monthly recurring revenue and increase the lifetime value no matter what. That is not by hawking crap that you don't believe in. I'll say it super plainly. What it is about is identifying what you're passionate about, what your patient or client ideally is looking to achieve and seeing exactly where those things meet. So an example of that, here are three verticals that would be direct examples of that. It could be courses as an example, and there's more than this, but these are just three, to three big, big ones, probably the main ones. Courses, um, uh, supplements, or um, how do I want to say, coaching, right? So you might offer uh, individualized coaching for people that enables you to have a monthly type recurring situation with them. You might have, if you want to disconnect from the, you know, the time for money, you might build a course and now you have a course that is updated or an app or something to that effect. We can dive into that in a moment that creates monthly recurring revenue or the easiest is consumables. We like to say supplements, but it really could be any consumable clearly selling, you know, one traction device every five years to somebody is not a great consumable, right? So in an ideal world, they're on a monthly type situation. A supplement is the easiest one to think of where it's like, it's, you know, every 30 days it's out every 30 days, it needs to be reordered. So here's the beauty of that. I'll kind of set the stage and then we can, I'll let you lead me down the rabbit holes here. But the beauty of that is you get to decide as a healthcare provider, like, what are you geeking out on? Like, do you love taking care of young athletes? Do you like taking care of geriatrics? Do you like taking care of pediatrics? Like those are different, those are different patient populations with different needs, wants, and interests. And then you look at your practice and you say, cool, like, here's what I love showing up and doing. Now here's the reality of what we're drawing in, in our practice. And like, what are they, are they like all truck drivers that like, just want to stay in the truck and be able to drive? Are they all office people? Are they people that are, they don't have to work and they're just trying to get to the gym and they're concerned about, you know, injury prevention and things like that. But like, what are you geeking out on? What are your patients showing up with as problems, but more importantly, as destinations, where are they trying to really get to? And where does your expertise fit in? It might be through supplementation, diet, and nutrition. That's an easy path in a lot of circumstances, but it might not be. It might be a course that you need to create that then continually you know, gives them a workout or a stretch each day or something to that effect. It might be coaching that's group oriented where it's like, awesome, like 
we got you out of the acute phase by reaching MMI in the practice, but that's most, that's like, like pain. It's the first thing, it's the first thing to go and last, you know, last thing to come. Like there's so much beyond that. And if you helped get them out of pain in an acute situation, they will absolutely believe and trust that you're the person that can take them beyond because you got them out of despair. So the thing with it is, is it's not about, well, what can I, uh, I, I would caution anybody listening that's like, I don't know, it just, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't resonate with me. Don't think about it like, what should I sell? Think about it like, what do I love? What am I people either asking me for already? Or what are the things where it's like, when they're leaving my practice, I'm like, man, the fun just began. What's that next step? Those are usually the great things you want to look for because that you can create monthly recurring revenue out of it that diversifies your income stream, enables the patient to hit more of their health goals and gets you like super jazzed. Why wouldn't you do more of what you want to do? Right. So anyhow. Yeah. Love that. Um, do you want to walk me through a real life example? Please. Okay. So uh, I, th this isn't, our listeners know this, um, had a concussion last year. One of our therapists was screening me who is a SCS and also, uh, yeah. Anyhow, he was like, Hey, by the way, definitely had a concussion, but you have signs of central uh, nervous system lesion. You should go get a brain scan. I got a brain scan. Basically, hole in my parietal lobe on the left side. This is my fifth concussion. Ugh. And then a golf ball size hole in my frontal lobe, which is pretty scary stuff. Uh, went down, went to uh, the AMN clinics. They ran all the NFL concussion studies for uh, CTE outside of DC. And uh, yeah, so got my scan. They put me on a regimen. Number one treatment recommended was hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I reached out to uh, a fellow chiropractor, uh, Dr. Jason Saunders, through a friend of a friend. Yeah. He, I, yeah, I think the two of I you know him well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Uh, he was amazing in terms of like walking me through the protocols. And I said, you know, I, I want to get this at home. Um, and I said, I'm, you know, passionate about it. You, <laughs> you nailed it already. And so I read his book, uh, did other research. Anyhow, I, and literally I just did a session this afternoon. So um, I, I've been using it. It is absolutely amazing. And then I shared a little bit of my journey and it, I was amazed at how many friends who also came through as patients were like, hey, by the way, I, and now I just, I mean, right now it's just a free service. If you're a friend of mine and you live close, come use it uh, because I have a unit here and they're nowhere else in central Pennsylvania. But I was thinking about long term, how could I, you know, be serving? How could I be helping? So how can I take that service, Jeff, and think about implementing it in terms of that monthly recurring revenue? Well, that's a great question. And that, it, it, that's a great example of a fantastic technology where the benefit continues to stack upon itself the more you use it, which is awesome. Like that is the ultimate, right? Because the person who's utilizing it, the patient, the client wins more the more that they utilize it, which is awesome because they're able to get continued benefit. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is identifying, you're going to notice, I don't say run a ton of discount ads <laughs> to get people in for free is not what I'm going to say. What I am going to say is many people, the first thing that comes to mind for me, as far as just, if we want to walk through the life cycle would be many people out there, like don't know if it's right for them. So I would immediately create a checklist of like seven, the top seven things, you, you know, hyperbaric, you know, unique things hyperbaric can help with, or if you're struggling with blank, hyperbaric might be right for you, dot, dot, dot. 
what you need to know. I would create a checklist around the top identifiers, potential identifiers. Obviously, you'll need to have a conversation, do a history evaluation, but I would immediately do that as a lead magnet that generates interest and in leads for the service. At that point, once somebody comes in and you qualified them uh, medically, right, to be like, okay, cool, like they don't have any of this, that, the other thing, and this is actually, we think we can help them. The beauty of that service is then it takes care of itself because th that becomes a monthly recur, like that's the package, right? So it's just, it's easy to be able to say, wonderful, like based upon what you're coming in with, what your challenges are, I recommend X amount of times per day, week, or month, and here's exactly what that package you know, sort of looks like. Um, but from a lead generation perspective, I would immediately think to this, the knowledge gap that many people have is, I don't know if it's right for me. So the content to put out in my mind would immediately be upon helping people self-identify that it might be right for them. There might be people that have, you know, a malignancy and it's like, I don't know if that accelerates it or decelerates it. I don't know. There might be somebody with, you know, that has concussions. That's like, I don't know, is like more oxygen better or is it not? Like, so being able to identify and break some of those myths are absolutely the first step, in my opinion, towards solving the knowledge gap. And then you have what you really want, which is people showing up ready to receive the service, not showing up that need you know for a free pillow and you're trying to convert them to something like nobody feels great about that situation like it's way easier when it's like no i'm already pretty much made that i hope i qualify for this so like you know that makes everybody's life a lot easier and it's the ideal state it's like why wouldn't we do it that way but <laughs> smart love it um yeah i know jason has quite a few courses as well that we got some of our listeners to but uh on specifically hbot and how to set it up but uh yeah love that recurring revenue we went through. Um, I, I know recently on your podcast with Jason, you were talking about uh, filling space and filling schedules. As we're looking through and exactly what you're talking about, it's a universal problem, you know, gradual decrease pressure uh, or pressure downward on reimbursements mm -hmm. and maybe our patient's ability to pay and upward pressure on the cost of doing business, whether it's employment, space, equipment, et cetera. And that creates a shrinking gap. With many of the practices that we look at one-on-one, -on -one, they either have un underutilized schedule time or underutilized space time. So it's an expense that they're paying for that they're not really truly realizing the potential revenue income from that. So as you're thinking through that and working with uh, practice owners, how do you help them think about that and ultimately fill in the gap there, Jeff? Yeah, there's a couple of things. You bring up a lot of great points there. And there, there's a couple of things that are in, important to keep in mind. One is that like space is okay if you want to use that to like play golf because you are financial. Like that's cool. Like, you know, so not every single moment absolutely needs to be maximized. But uh, we'll talk about it in the example that I think most people are dealing with, which is, which is not like, wow, I have an abundance of time and money. <laughs> I get at it. Most people are coming at it from the squeeze as you're describing, which is like, crap. Like I, you know, I, I, I'm not earning as much. My schedule is a little bit lighter. The conversations maybe are a little bit more difficult with, with patients. Thank you, insurance companies. Um, and, you know, the, the, all of those sort of things, you know, together. So there's a couple of key tenants that I, that I would, that I'd really highlight. And, and, and one is I'll kind of go back to, um, teaching and inviting consistently. The best thing that you can do as a business owner is continue to take people on the journey. 
Um, and in many cases, as healthcare providers, it's a journey of health, right? So being able to continue to educate and inspire people. So that's a really important part that I think we see in the gully of not emailing, et cetera, where it's like, oh, well, they I, they like canceled their appointment. I didn't see them in a few weeks. Oh, we'll just like get them with the next recall in 90 days, right? And and hey, that's a, do that. Like make the phone calls, like do the, but how about just continuing to like show up where you're just like the completely obvious choice because you're out there like being a passionate healthcare provider, teacher, educator, doctor, or therapist, and you're passionate about that topic. And, and that's a really, that it's a subtle, but a very big shift because, you know, number one, you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, especially if you decide to do like social media and things like that. There's all sorts of hangups that we could talk about with that, but staying top of mind and really understanding what am I showing up at and for passionate about and what do I take care of is really important. Let me refine that statement a little bit more. There's a thought, or especially early on, or especially when we're in a little bit of a squeeze where it's like that I need to go wider, like not enough. I'm not taking care of enough people. And the irony behind that is you probably need to get narrower and deeper. And that's a really key component is and, and I think about it, like, what are you, and here's an easy practical way to think about it. When you show up in practice, what is that person that you're like super jazzed when you see them on the schedule and you're like, ah, oh, yes. And then what are those people that you see on the schedule, aside from their personality, that you're just like, Ugh, bad day at the office, right? Where you're like, what, you know, and those are, if you start to look at that aside from personality, you'll probably start to notice some threads. Maybe it's a symptom. Maybe it's a body region that you just like and geek out on. Maybe it's a, because they do these other things and it's just so easy to have conversations and you're just like, wow, we just like resonate. Like, and chances are that's going to tie into probably why they're there as well. Right. And, and when you start to identify that, that helps you really be able to think about your content creation. That sounds a little esoteric, but like, what's your messaging out in the community? What's your website say? What does your email say? What does your social media say? When you go and do a talk, what are you talking about? If it's just super random and wide, you're, you're just like, you're nothing to everybody. I'd rather be something to somebody. And that's a really key component that I think is just like often overlooked in just the mechanics of running a healthcare practice where we really don't become known as like the, I'm the knee guy. Like, I, you know, whatever, or whatever it is for you. Like, I'm the knee guy. I'm the, you know, I am the PDF. And it doesn't mean that that's the only person you take care of. It means that that's what you're known for in the community. And guess what? When that happens, you tend to start seeing other things at a higher increased rate as well. So I think positioning really matters because often I think as healthcare providers, if we're feeling squeezed, we think about pitching, which is like the ads and all this kind of stuff where it's really positioning. Because if you're positioned appropriately in the marketplace, a lot of things tend to take care of themselves. The other step on that, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll happy for you to rein me in after I say this, is it's really, we always say, you know, the key to success is consistency and the, the key to consistency is automation. So identifying what are those things that have to happen in the practice, just block and tackle, like outside of the hoity-toity, like here's how we're positioning ourselves, et cetera. But like, what are those things that really need to happen? and is it automated? And do you have accountability? If it's recalls, are they actually being done? And are you holding somebody accountable to that? And are they delivering that number? If it's email marketing, is it automated? If it's not, it's probably going to fall off. <laughs> and you know, are you tracking the result on that? 
you know, what are those things that you're doing to move the business forward? I'll give one more super specific example. Um, and this can go Cairo, you know, Cairo and PT very easily. And that would be either doctor visits or community talks. If you're like every five phone calls we make books us one doctor visit or community talk. And we know that when we do that, we tend to see five or 10 new patients the next week. Well, now you say, well, how many new patients do you need per month? And then you back into how many phone calls you need to make. And then you have accountability with somebody on the team to say, did we make the 20 phone calls necessary to book the four gigs so that we you know, have on the output the, you know, the 40 patients. So another saying I really like is, you know, results follow actions. You need to trace things back to the action step, not be focused on like that. Well, we only had 20 new patients. Yeah. Well, what actions did you take proactively the previous month to, you know, chances are they probably just ended up in many practices. They kind of just showed up. <laughs> you, know, that's, that's, you know, there's really no action. It's just like, well, we've been around a while. We run a little bit of ads, but there's not really that defined thing where it's like, you know, how that happened is we made 25 phone calls, which resulted in three meetings. And then that, like, it's most things actually become super linear when they're focused on, or if it's like, oh, that didn't work the way we expected. Okay, cool. Well, we know we need to make 10 phone calls or 50 phone calls instead of the 20 we thought. But that's how you learn, iterate, and generate consistent results, which is a very long way of getting towards if you have space and time in your calendar, I would immediately think about positioning. And then I would think about what are the actions you can and should be taking that or that you can take to enable the result you desire. Great. I'll, uh, I'll attempt to rein you in, but I think you did amazing <laughs> to be, to be fair. Um, the, yeah, I, along those lines, most of the practice owners that we talk with, the biggest pain point is consistency. The one cognition aha moment that I had with you, Jeff, is when you were talking about that, it's most often as clinicians, we expect our patients to do that. And I think I just saw, you know, 35, I, I was on a webinar today and uh, it was 35% of patients are compliant with their home program for four weeks. So that means 65% are not compliant at all. Um, yeah. And I don't know how poor the tail is after after that initial four weeks, but, <laughs> it's lower. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't go up. That's right. So, you know, and what stood out to me is it's, it's very hypocritical of me as a clinician to expect consistency and new patient flow and, and visits and really a full schedule. If I myself am not being consistent, doing the things that are causative, um, you know, you mentioned how easy it is to drown in, you know, I have 80 things to do in marketing, so nothing gets done because I want to be everything to everybody. Um, we just went through this exercise with our, our own marketing department here internally, and uh, we we had some overwhelm. We're down a staff member uh, for medical reasons and a couple other, kind of like a little perfect storm. And I said, okay, what are, what are the 10 activities you're spending the most time on? They listed them. And I said, okay, what's number one? Like if we only had to do one activity, what is driving the most here? And for us, it was, uh, I want to say it was patient interviews, but I know that's not right. Oh, it was, uh, we, we do this thing called an output tracker and it's nothing more than communication between the therapist and either the patient, the, our past patient list. So these are individual touch points yeah. or the same exact thing to the physician, the referral source. And I mean, that 65 to 70% of all of our new patient flow that comes through is from our past patient list. The next thing was patient interviews. So I know you do some work on uh, 
not retention. Yeah, retention yep. as well. So once a new patient comes through, um, I would love for you to comment on that as well and what you're seeing there. But when a new patient comes through, are you just delivering high quality of care and relying on word of mouth referral, which feels pretty whimsical? Are you doing something deliberate with the person as they come through? And uh, yeah, the final one was responding to email and advertising leads. Yeah. So we found that they were the three most causative things that we do. But yet, um, if you could talk about retention and how you're seeing that once a new patient comes for that first visit, that first appointment, and seeing them through the plan of care and not you know, letting them drop off or leak out of the, the process, that would be wonderful. Yeah, the first, thank you. The first two weeks of care are just so critical in every practice, right? It's really where there's the most amount of friction. People are coming in, they've never been into the practice maybe before. Uh, and it's like weird, like, what am I doing here? I'm hurt. I'm trying to get back. They're there for a reason, right? Most, you know, most of the time. So that's like a lot of stress and pressure on people. So if you think you're going to get similar to as we discussed earlier, if you think you're going to get all the communication done with your table talk and as you're taking care of the patient, you, it's just not going to happen. Like they're like blacking out when they're in the practice because, you know, they're just getting through the, they're trying to do the best they can and, you know, trying to be compliant, do what's right, you know, et cetera, et cetera, most people. <laughs> so really being able to follow up and guide that initial two week onboarding or welcome is, is so critically important. And I'll give an example with email and then I'll give an example with text. So I always say to the clients that we work with, specifically on the email side, I'm like, I want every patient, like they get to their car, like they have a great experience the first day, they walk out to their car and before they pull out a parking lot, they hear their phone and they see an email that says, welcome to our practice. We're so glad you're here. We've helped hundreds, if not thousands of other people in the community. We can't wait to take great care of you. Signed, you know, Dr. Blank. Like, that's just like great patient experience and a really wild thing happens. Like I'd say the side effects of that are more reviews, more referrals, more testimonials because somebody was really well taken care of. We extend that sequence then throughout the first two weeks, addressing frequently asked questions. And you're like, I don't know, how would I create that email? Walk to your front desk and say, what are the questions that people call up and ask every single day, right? You know, what are the hours? Where do I call the reschedule? Whatever they are for you. Like, you know, how do you pronounce the person's name? Like whatever it is, like get those in the email. You want to reduce friction. You want to reduce friction because friction absolutely crush, crushes your ability to retain somebody throughout the first two weeks. And most of the time it's something silly. And that should and can be addressed, but it has to be bite-sized and piecemealed over those first two weeks. So that's one thing that's super, super important. My friend Josh gave an example, so I'll give him full credit on this. I'll give like a text-ish example outside of the healthcare field. Uh, he did a far better job telling this story than I will, but I think everybody will get the point. He used a plumbing example. Toilet breaks has to have a, a service professional, a plumber come in, uh, calls a bunch of plumbers, finally finds one plumbers like, great, you know, I can come over, you know, tomorrow I'll take care of your toilet. Then his phone gets a text and it's like the plumber smiling like with like a, you know, with like a, whatever you want to say a tool. And it's like, I'm John the plumber. Can't wait to see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. and take care of your toilet, right? And Josh is like, now I know what the guy looks like. So when he knocks on my door, I'm not like weirded out. Like, seems like a funny guy. Like, this is great. The guy comes over, he leaves after he fixes the toilet. He sent, there's another text of like, I love fixing toilets. Like, you know, thanks for letting me fix your toilet. I can't wait to fix the toilet the next time. And I'm happy to fix any of your friend's toilets anytime whatsoever. And here's a, by the way, I, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, referral based business. I'd love it if you told other people about how it, I did a great job fixing your toilet. And it's like, number one, I, that obviously it's a little bit funny using a plumber example, but it's like, 
it, it's insane. Think about how low risk, you know, now a toilet clogged is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But compared to a healthcare situation, this is pretty low risk. But us as healthcare providers, we're like, nah, we don't need to do that. Like, what? Like, no, <laughs> that's insanity. Like, you know, people are coming in with real problems to their person, right? To their body. And we're, we're just like totally ignoring that they're human beings because we're like myopic on the symptom, on the joint, on the, on the modality that we need to utilize. And it's like, we're just all human beings. So I don't mean to get really esoteric with that, but uh, my example with the email and the text is both, imagine if you inserted one of those, imagine if you inserted both of those into the first two weeks of, a, of somebody visiting your practice, I have a sneaking suspicion that if you are interested in reviews, if you're interested in testimonials, if you're interested in better retention and reduced dropout, I have a sneaking suspicion that that's gonna solve a lot of those issues because somebody's like, man, these guys are like real people. I feel so well supported. I know exactly what to do next, what happened before and what's happening now. And like, this is where I, like, that's where you're gonna send your friends. That's where you're gonna send your family. And the irony is, is that none of what I described actually had to do with the care that the person received. Please deliver world-class patient care. That's not an excuse to deliver ship shot care, but most people are going to remember based upon the experience, which is why people will refer to healthcare providers and you know, surgeons are a great example of this. They'll refer to surgeons where they didn't have a wonderful outcome based upon the experience. And most of the time that experience is like a one out of a hundred, horribly bad, by the way, the bar is so low in the orthopedic and surgical <laughs> realm. It's ridiculous, but that's a whole story for another day. But like just those little things, like you build that automation like once, you update it like once a year and think about the benefit that delivers over time. So anyway, that's my story on retention. Yeah, lo love that. And uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Jeff. I have a ridiculous page of notes that I'm not even sure I can read my own handwriting here, but uh, you shared a ton of knowledge and I very much appreciate you coming back, expanding on the ideas, talking about retention uh, giving the update on discounts and vouchers and sharing the metrics there as well. Um, all this was great. Thank you very much. For our listeners that want to learn more about you and the smart chiropractor or pick up a, a copy of the payday practice, which I highly recommend, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So if you head over to thesmartchiropractor.com, that's the easiest way. So there's like a great blog there with a whole bunch of info, totally free. It's like hundreds of articles that we've written about all kind of the stuff we've talked about. Uh, we have payday practice book link over there. If you want to really go the extra mile, you can pick it up on, on Amazon as well. But um, but those are smartchiropractor.com is a hub where you can pretty much find out all the information. And if we can be of help, we'd love to communicate and chat. Awesome. Jeff Langmaid, the Smart Chiropractor, thank you so much. Uh, and as a parting gift, I want to give you one compliment on your website uh, because it really struck me. I did not see this before, but there's a, a small video playing. I know many people have the chat bot, um, but there's a small video playing in the right-hand corner. If you, if you don't do anything else and you've listened to this podcast episode this far, go to the Smart Chiropractor and just find Jeff's I don't know what to call it, an icon or a chat bot, a video. I'm in the bottom right-hand corner and uh, check that out. It, it, wonderful idea. Love all your ideas. And uh, thank you again for your time, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Over the past few years, private practice PT has been absolutely pounded with declining reimbursements. To top it off, inflation has made the environment brutal for practices just to keep their doors open. In his book, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got, 
Jay Abraham said there are basically three things and only three things that you can do to grow your revenues. Number one, you can increase the number of clients. You and I as private practice owners know that this is getting more new patients in the door, which we've been talking about in our industry for the last three decades. Number two is increase the average transaction value. Two primary ways that we can do this. One is adding cash pay services. And then the other thing that we can do is improve our payer mix by dropping the lowest payers or negotiating better rates. The third thing that Jay Abraham talks about is we can increase the frequency of repurchase. You, you and I know this as reactivations or reactivating our past patients. So wouldn't it be great if you could learn from other owners who've successfully done any one of these things? In May, we'll be hosting the Patient Demand Virtual Summit. During the virtual summit, you'll hear from eight other practice owners and industry experts who've increased their revenues in spite of declining reimbursements and inflation, and you'll learn exactly how they did it. As a fellow practice owner, I know you don't need a million ideas, more things you'll never get around to do. But I do know that one good idea, one big idea can help you transform your practice. You're not only going to get that idea, but you'll learn exactly how other owners have done it, giving you a huge shortcut. And here's the deal. The virtual summit is free. It's at no cost to you. All you have to do is register. Click on the link below to register. You don't have to solve this alone on an island siloed off all by yourself. As a bonus, when you register for the Patient Demand Virtual Summit, the digital marketing bundle valued at over $200, you're going to get that, which includes the marketing calendar and six of our most successful email marketing campaign templates. So when you register for free for the Patient Demand Virtual Summit, you're going to get the digital marketing bundle valued at over $200 for free. Click on the link below to register, and I'll see you at the virtual summit. Remember to visit GetBreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.